0: Well, good morning again, good evening to some of you. You know, before we jump into the sermon today, I just feel led to, to confess to you. Um, as some of you are, might be visiting or unaware, you see that under my name, that I'm the acting senior pastor. I'm serving in this role uh, in, a, in a transitional season for us here at Lake Avenue Church. And in the years leading up to this transition, There were so many things uh, that I thought about um, that we processed, uh, my wife and me, asking ourselves, do do we really feel called to lead Lake Avenue Church in a a time where we have an election? Because we are a church with such great diversity in in the fullest sense, and even our political diversity as a church. and to lead a body as diverse as ours during an election year, that was definitely something we wanted to hear from the Lord on. I, I thought about the reality of uh, the docket of the Supreme Court and the kinds of things they'll be ruling on in June and, and asking the question, do I feel called to lead a church with such um, important and, and yet again issues that would divide even the people of God? Can I just tell you of all the things that we prayed for, all the things that we processed, uh, pandemics was not a part of it. I I didn't have that class in seminary. I didn't have that class ever in my life. I've never sat through uh, what it means to lead uh, during a pandemic. And in so many ways, I probably, a lot of you who are leading your companies or your divisions or your teams right now are saying amen, (laughs) me neither. And i got to tell you that for the first couple of weeks, the transition to this season has been one in which I have found uh, great joy. Uh, yeah, it's been difficult, but I have sensed God's presence on not just my life, but our congregation, both in our mission and in the people. And I don't know about you, but there were some moments this last week where the, uh, the, adrenaline, the adrenaline wore off a little bit. The, uh, the energy to be in uncharted territory, the energy to lead in a, in a time and a place where, where no one really has led before, at least anybody speaking to me. And there were moments this week where I had to go back to the kinds of things and listen to myself, which I don't like looking at myself on video. I would never listen to myself in a normal world. But I've found hope in what the Spirit of God has been saying through so many of you and through many of us at Lake Avenue Church. But... But the adrenaline wore off. The kinds of ways in which I'm experiencing God and decisions and and the unity of the church, there were moments where I was at my worst with my family, where I was at my worst in my prayer life, where I was at my worst in my hope. And, And I'm guessing I'm not alone i'm guessing that for so many of you there were moments this week or there's a moment hitting you right now where all this just feels so big and it is big i'm struck by a a conversation i overheard this week with uh, a few different people who are making this observation you know that pandemics aren't new pointing back to 1917 and 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 the person was saying, and a couple of people have said, you know, it's interesting. We can't really go on to Netflix or we can't pick up all the great novels and pieces of art that captured prior pandemics. Went on to make the point that part of the reason for that is there's something about pandemics that brings out the worst in humanity. Where the fear that comes from the unknown or the drive for self-preservation makes human beings do some pretty awful things. Thinking about the decisions that prior people have made during pandemics to leave their own children on the street as to save themselves or to save other parts of their family the kind of xenophobia and racism that comes during pandemics where we can easily label this group of people as the cause and and we don't really have all that art Uh, we got world war ii movies like wild we have novels we have individual stories from within other crises in in our land and in our world but when it comes to pandemics they're kind of low and the point being because there's something about moments like this and seasons like this that can bring out the worst in humankind somebody else went on to say but we've never had the ability to connect like we do in this one We've never had the ability to remain human and try to be called to be connected to one another where the worst in human beings might be tempered or changed in this season. And, and I don't know about you, but this week I think about the best and worst I think about the best. I, I think about one of the greatest moments for me this week and really a game changer for my own walk with Jesus was our prayer meeting. Streaming from my home with my family, over 150 of you, and I'm going to count more of you than just the 150, streaming and praying. We've, we don't have turnouts like that for prayer meetings at Lake Avenue. And by the way, that's every week, 6 to 7, live, so you need to put that on your calendar. We're going to keep that going. I think about the best of a family in our church, two families, the Panzerini family, many of you know, they're some of the most generous people we've ever met. And, and I got dropped at my door, the, the best red sauce and Parmesan cheese you can have. I was so grateful for their kindness to think of my family. I think about Daniel and Marianne Fong who also brought by our home tea and coffee from small businesses that they are connected to. And the generosity of so many of you in this congregation shows me that it's in a time like this where the best of who we are can come out. But I'm also reminded of the realities of this season. I'm mindful that even in our own city of Pasadena, you you may not know this, but there have been numerous, numerous moments of anti-Asian American racism. People walking in a store and getting comments, walking on the street and being told it was their fault, your fault, some of you. See, that's, that's the worst in us, the self-preservation and the blame. I think about the reality, and, and I'm sure, I pray not, but for us at Lake, the first known connection to COVID-19 and a death happened this week. It's one removed for us, it's Jim and Karen Covell, many of you know the Covells, what a faithful family. But her brother-in-law is Mark Blum, Blum, an actor in New York City, and he, he died this week. As I was texting them and as we've connected with them as a congregation, being reminded that it's in this season where the reality of death, and I know some of us are filling time to build forts and to help our kids get through this, but death hit our community this week and it's dark. And it's big. I think about the positives of how many of you are praying for our healthcare workers, how many of you continue to give generously to this church. I think about the reality that some of you, the economics of this whole season have hit you in a new way this week, where there was news delivered, there's a reality you need to face. See, see it's in this unknown season where we get glimpses of the good and we get reminded of the evil. We get reminded that as, as, as much hope as we can have in these moments of gathering and worshiping and in our prayer lives, it's, it's the reality that we live on this earth, and this earth is broken, and it's broken because of sin. It's broken because we are, we've inherited sin, but we also choose to sin. And so today we have come to church, and I don't know why you've come. I pray that you've come and you've already received from the Lord but that we might come and have God's word speak to us in the truth of this moment to to say to us, how is it we ought to live? What does it look like to have our lives aligned, as our series is calling us to, as the Sermon on the Mount teaches? What does it look like to live aligned with Jesus in this unprecedented moment? And so with that said, would you please stand for the reading of God's word? We're in the same text for this week and next week. We're learning how to pray. And Jesus taught, starting in verse 5 of chapter 6, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray... Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, and we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Verse 14, might not be on there for you, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Big thesis of last week, this week, and next week is that Jesus teaches very clearly that intimacy with him, connection with him, true faith with him is cultivated in quiet, in secret, and unseen spaces. He goes on and on again to give the temptations of the people of the time and the way they were connecting with him that they were giving so that other human beings would think they're awesome. They were praying so that everyone, including God, would be impressed by the words in which they prayed even when they fasted, they would draw attention to themselves as to say, look how holy and and special I am in my devotion. And Jesus very clearly is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount that if you want true faith, if you want to connect with me and you want your acts of righteousness to be received by God, if you want your devotion to connect with God and not other people, then those kinds of Acts of righteousness are cultivated in quiet and unseen in secret spaces. How relevant for us. We talked about that last week. The temptation for you and me to stand on the street corner and to babble and to use our many words to impress others, that's kind of been taken away from us at this season. And so one of the gifts, one of the opportunities for you and for me in this season is that we can cultivate intimacy with Jesus. We can literally go into our rooms and close the door, or into the closet and close the door and be just us and God, but for so many of us, we don't have that rhythm. Or we have that rhythm in a very unpersonal way, in a very um, legalistic way. Yeah, we might get 10 minutes in the morning, or maybe our commute, that's when we would connect with God and listen to a a worship service. And, And so in this season, even if we have these rhythms set up, there's an invitation from God that in this particular moment in time, in this particular season, that we can cultivate our connection with God. That we can learn how to pray. And last week I talked and we have this example of how to pray, not what to pray, how to pray from God when he gives us this this prayer that many of us know whether we have faith or not, the Lord's Prayer. And it's within the Lord's Prayer that we find six different kind of uh, statements, uh, prompts. Three of them concern God, three of them concern humanity. Uh, Concerning God, we talked last week about his name, his kingdom, and his will, around humanity, our daily need, daily bread, our debts, which we'll talk about today, and temptation. Last week, we talked about the name of God and giving that name of God our daily needs, a name and need. If you remember our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What we're saying to God when we pray that isn't make your name hallowed, his name is already hallowed, his name is already holy, but what we're praying when we pray, our, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, we're saying reveal yourself, God, show yourself. When we pray, our posture is toward the name of a holy God. Our attention, our direction, our recognition to whom we are praying to is a God with a name. And his name is holy and his name is powerful and his name is mighty. And it's big enough of a name that we get permission in verse 11 to ask the name of God to give us today our daily bread. And if you recall last week, we talked about the, the rhythm of living daily, and that's a rhythm many of us really are, are needing right now to cultivate, just one day at a time. I heard that so many times this week. I'm just, I just needed to get through today. So when we come to God and we pray in his name and then ask for our daily need, it's interesting that the scripture calls us not just to pray for the day, and, but not just to pray for ourselves. It's us and our daily need. And, that was an encouragement I think the Bible gave us last week, is that as we pray this next week, to not only pray for our need, but to pray for our need, our collective need. So last week, the name and the need, and this week we're going to talk about the kingdom and conflict. The posture that we want to take in our prayer when we, when we pray, your kingdom come, what does that mean? And the the posture that we take when we say, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, that petition, what does that mean? That's where we're heading in just for a moment today. And here's why it matters. Let me connect some dots. Because whether you recognize it or not, there are a couple of kingdoms at play in our life and in this world. There is the kingdom of God, which we'll learn about in a moment. And then there's the kingdoms and kingdom of this world. And I think these moments where we experience life as it should be lived, life to the full as Jesus promises, life as it's consistent with the way that Jesus calls us to live, these are the moments where we taste and feel and sense the kingdom of God in this world. And then there's these other moments, right? The moments we've talked about, the moments of racism, the moments of self-preservation, the moments of, of hoarding. The, the moments we know down in our soul aren't the way of living that God has called us to, and it's in these moments where the kingdom of the world The kingdom of myself, the kingdom that is opposite of the kingdom of God, plays in this world. And so when we pray, your kingdom come, what we are declaring is we're not asking God to start his kingdom. It's not a prayer uh, for for the kingdom to, to, to begin. It's really a prayer asking God to make his kingdom more dominant in this world. to pray that it would be in your kingdom come that the kingdoms of this world, the kingdom of myself, the kingdom that is in opposition to your kingdom, God, that that kingdom would take over the kingdoms of the world. So when we pray for God's kingdom to come, we are praying for God to rule and to reign. Now we don't have kingdoms in the United States, so it's hard for us to connect to the, the monarchy language, but really It shouldn't be because all of you watch, you know, BBC all the time and you're fascinated with the king and queen and prince and princesses. I mean, the the king, the kingdom. What what is essential about this when we understand God's kingdom is we're talking about God's rule. We're talking about his reign, his saving reign, that the, the way and the power of God, the way that God has set up his world to live, that that way, that kingdom is what we are praying for to show up more dominantly. Now there's some, there's some things that get in the way from us understanding God's kingdom. And part of it is many of us have grown up with a, with a faith that, that, that uses kingdom and heaven as synonyms. I mean, honestly, when I came to faith, what was presented to me, and it's very true, is is that I wanted to give my life to Jesus because if I was to die, I wanted to be in heaven after life on this earth. And for so many of us our understanding that that the real party begins once we leave earth. The, the, The real heaven party starts once we depart from earth. It kind of minimizes life on earth, and it says that the afterlife of heaven, that's where the kingdom begins. It's just not the teaching of the Bible. I mean, Jesus speaks about the kingdom over a hundred times. In fact, in Acts chapter 1, we were just in this series in the fall. One of the things we know is that Jesus returns, and he's with his disciples, his apostles at this point, and he spent extra time teaching them, and it says specifically that after his suffering, he presented himself to them, and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive, Jesus, to his apostles. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. And when Jesus taught and he spoke about the kingdom of God, what he was not saying was that just minimize your existence on earth, endure it, get through it, and when you die, the kingdom of God begins. That, that's really not an understanding of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a broad and huge topic. I have an impossible task to do this in a few moments for you, but what I want you to understand is that when we speak about the kingdom of God, we are talking about God's rule, and we're talking about God's reign, and the, even the Lord's Prayer will say on earth, as it is in heaven. So yes, there's an amazing party. The kingdom of God is something that we can begin to experience a little bit on this earth and in its fullness, when God returns and when we're made whole and right and when it's all said and done, it will be in its fullness. But even Jesus in his teachings, in Luke chapter 9, 27, after he's taught his disciples that he's going to die on a cross, he's going to be raised from the dead, he's going to be rejected, and he says to them this kind of throwaway line that if we don't really look at it, it can escape us. And he says, truly I tell you, some who are standing here, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. So if the kingdom of God is God's reign and his rule and his way of living and his dominance and his his ethics and his everything about what God says, this is who I am and this is how we are to live, if that is the kingdom of God, what we know is that we will not experience in its fullness why we're on earth. We will one day, when it's all said and done, But it is actually a kingdom that we can touch, that we can see, that we can feel, that we can experience in this earth. It's not something that begins once we die. See, God's rule and reign, when all things have been right, when all things are becoming right, this is when we taste the kingdom. So when you have someone come up to you and give you a a piece of generosity... When you receive the best of someone, when when you are in a time of prayer and you you sense the love that God has for you and for others, when you make a decision to obey what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life, and that feeling, that, that sense of obedience, that's a taste, I believe, of the kingdom of God. Theologians talk about the kingdom of God being this already but not yet reality. This kind of partial reality that we can experience in life, but it won't be in its fullness until, until God comes back and rules and reigns the way He promises in the Scripture. Uh, the kingdom of God is always contrast against the kingdom of, of man. And the kingdom of, of man, the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of Satan. These are these what what, what rules and reigns in this area are sin, our are death, are our enemy, are the flesh, the world, and the devil. And so you and I live in, a, in this not-yet world, this not-yet where the kingdom of God isn't something that we get to fully experience in all of its fullness all the time. And so when Jesus instructs us to pray, your kingdom come, what we are saying is more of this. More of, more of all, the, all the justice of you, God. More of all what's right in this world. More of all of your ways. More of all of your kingdom. Take over more. So that we, yes, we're in a not-yet world, but we want more. So when Jesus teaches us to pray and he says, your kingdom, come, what we, he is asking us to pray is to be reminded, one, of our primary citizenship and to be reminded of the battle that you and I are in and that there are going to be moments where we taste the goodness and justice of God in this world through one another and through God's creative ways that he does his work But there's also going to be moments where we taste and are tempted and we succumb to the kingdoms of ourselves, the kingdoms of this world, the kingdom of the devil. And so in real time, let me be very clear. See, in God's kingdom there's no sickness. There's no death. This virus and its impact is an effect of the kingdom of this world. The kingdom of man. Because in God's kingdom, there's none of that. See, in in God's kingdom, there's no racism. In the kingdom of the world, there's racism. And our job isn't just to call those two things out, but to declare from one perspective to the other that there's more in this life than just the kingdoms of this world. That the, When we pray, your kingdom come, we're asking God to show up in profound ways, to, to, to show more, to reveal more of himself, to come with dominance in this world. Because when God's kingdom comes into its fullness, the things that are wrong in this world will no longer be wrong. They'll be made right. So, whether it's sickness and death, racism, or the broken relationships that you are uh, experiencing in your life, anything that is wrong will be made right one day in the kingdom of God. And what a gift that God has given us that we actually can participate and taste the kingdom of God in this life. Your kingdom come. We're praying for God's kingdom to come into, we're not praying for God's kingdom to come into existence. We're praying for God's kingdom to come in dominance. Because in God's kingdom, all that is broken will be made right. In God's kingdom, the battle against our flesh, the battle against our sin, the battle that we face in this world, the battle that we can face against the enemy himself will end. But until then, we've got to be praying for God's kingdom to come. More. More, more. Why do we need God's kingdom to come? It brings me to the second world, second word. And the word is conflict. See, conflict is the one of the ways we can understand of the difference between God's kingdom and the kingdom of this world. See, in, in God's kingdom there's no conflict. All is made right. All the sin of the world is is taken care of. All the brokenness in this world is made right. All the, the viruses are healed. All of the sickness is no more. All the death has been resurrected to life. See, in God's kingdom, but there's this conflict. There's a reality that you and I, because of sin, because of the sin we've inherited from Adam, and because of the sin you and I purposefully choose to engage in every day, it's the very conflict we live. And so when the prayer Pe- the petition of the prayer says to forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. It, it's, uh, it's, it's language of sin. As, as Chuck so beautifully did for our children's moment earlier today, it's recognizing that our debts are the, the conflicts, the sins, the sins of our life, and the sins that we have um, experienced from other people. The conflict that we have with God personally. So to forgive us our debt is recognizing that we are aware of a God, and we are aware of a way of living that God calls us to live, and we're also aware that we can never live up to it, and that's why we need Jesus, because it was Jesus who took all of our debts, all of our sin, and nailed them to himself on that cross. That's the story of Christianity. It's God's relentless pursuit of his people, his relentless love for you and me, that he didn't want the debts to get in the way, and so he sent his son to take all the debt of the world, to be nailed onto the cross so that we can be free from the sin. And so be clear, when we're prompted (laughs) and when we petition in our daily prayer to forgive us our debts, for some of you listening, you've never asked God to forgive your debt before. You've never said, God, thank you for sending Jesus. I recognize there's conflict in my life. There's a, a way of living in this world and I wanna live your way, but I've been living this way. When we pray that prayer, when we ask God to change us, when we say we recognize our sin and we recognize Jesus, we are forgiven and free. It's interesting to me that in this prayer that Jesus asks us to recognize a daily reality because although in 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 the deepest sense of salvation, once saved, always saved, the reality is we're in conflict. And even your pastor, as I started this sermon admitting to you, that each day has trouble, and there are days and worse days for me. But every day I can pray with all integrity, forgive me my debts, Lord. I made some poor choices today. I didn't trust you today. I made it all about me today. I gave in to the kingdom of the world today. I wasn't mindful of your kingdom and rule and reign, and I wanted to rule and reign my own life. So there's this one time like you're good, but there's this reality that we're not good. And it's interesting to me that Jesus says, pray for your daily provision with the food followed right by what, what the daily pardon in essence. I think Jesus wants us to be mindful of our lives, to be thinking. It's not a new modern thought to reflect on your day. I think Jesus is calling us to reflect on our day so that we can go to him in prayer and in the intimacy of prayer with Jesus, we can can recognize for the many places where we've gone on our own. But I think for us, for many of us in church, and what I think part of this season provides us is not just only a recognition of where we could have done things differently in this day, but there's something about quarantine that I think is really speaking to the reality of how much conflict we have in our lives. I've spoken to some of you, you you haven't spoken to your parents for years. You don't even know how to call them to ask if they're okay. I've spoken to some of you who were on the verge of divorce and now you're stuck in a home together. I've spoken to some of you who you've never had a meaningful conversation with your children because you work all the time. And now you are in this home together and trapped, and the conflict and brokenness of relationship is in your face every day. And my question for you and the Scripture's question for you is do you believe that in your prayer life, by praying to God for his kingdom to come in this world, that it actually can change and that you could live a life of forgiveness during this season? I think one of the greatest gifts that could happen for many of you in this season is that you might be able to experience the kind of forgiveness and give forgiveness in a way you never would have in normal life. As we have forgiven our debtors. It's interesting, we go on to read in that scripture, Jesus has some pretty strong things to say, that if we withhold forgiveness from others, that we kind of get it withheld from us. I think what Jesus is getting at is one of the surest signs we know that we are God's children is our ability to extend what God has given to us so freely, which is forgiveness. See, no matter what my debts are, no matter all the wrongs that I have done or that you have done, the blood of Jesus covers all of that. And I can receive that. I have learned how to receive that with joy and with freedom but the evidence of me really following Jesus might show up in my ability to extend that kind of forgiveness to someone else. Why is it that I, we can receive so easily from God his forgiveness and yet have such a hard time extending forgiveness to one another? Colossians 3.13, very clear, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Our ability to forgive others is one of the most clearest signs that we understand our own forgiveness from God. In one way, it's proof the unforgiving might be unforgiven if you read this scripture it seems to be the kind of thing Jesus is speaking about see what does it mean to forgive though this is very complicated but it's really not it just means not holding a grudge releasing some resentment moving towards making things right reconciliation requires two people I think forgiveness just requires one Have you ever been a part of that? A couple of years ago I had a conversation with a friend and I recognized in the conversation that I could own some things I have done wrong. So I gathered time with this person and I apologized for the things that I have done wrong, things I would do differently. I'm grateful that in that conversation the person received it. I didn't get anything back in that moment of what they had done, but I walked away free Because forgiveness brings freedom. It brings freedom in our walk with Jesus, and it brings freedom in our own lives when we can extend forgiveness to someone else. But let me be clear, forgiveness is not easy. Sometimes forgiveness takes time. Forgiveness is a process. Forgiveness doesn't minimize the pain. Forgiveness needs some level of self-awareness. But I, I wonder, I wonder this, I wonder, just wonder, Lake Avenue Church, that is this a season in which Forgiveness might be the very thing God is asking you to do. I don't know what that looks like. It could mean writing some letters to people this week or emails. It could be as quickly as sending a text. Hey, three weeks ago, I'm sorry. Could have done that differently. Or even in your own spirit, releasing the pain of what is so present in your life from relationship. See, when we are part of the kingdom of God and we start living in the way that God reigns and he rules, we have a God of forgiveness. He's forgiven us. And one of the evidences that we are living in the kingdom of God on this earth until all is made right one day is our ability to forgive, our ability to to seek right relationship. I can't do that on my own. You can't do that on your own. That's why we need prayer because it's only in the intimacy of relationship with God where I get God's perspective. And I think God's inviting all of us to shut the door this week. To pray that his kingdom would come in our own lives. To remind ourselves of the forgiveness, the daily forgiveness we, we need and we receive from God and to start living the kind of generously forgiving lives to others and even the others in your own home. I, I, I know this, I believe this with all my heart. What's going to come out of this time in two years, we're going to have testimonies of people going, we were on the cusp of divorce But then that quarantine, and we had to work it out. We had to extend forgiveness to one another. We had to cultivate a different kind of intimacy with God and a different kind of intimacy with one another. And it was through that season that we would never choose in which we experienced the kingdom, the rightness, the goodness of God's rule and reign in this world. Lake Avenue Church, I just want you to ponder a couple of things this week. One, when it comes to the kingdom, where is your primary citizenship? Where do you find your your identity? Where do you get your marching orders? Where do you find the ethics and the goodness of how you to live day in and day out? Where do you find your sense of purpose, your values, your sense of right and wrong, the things that, that ramp you up, that get you energized? Are they the things of God's kingdom? Or are they things of the kingdom of the earth, the kingdom of yourself? the kingdom of God. Recognize that because it's all too easy for us. The headlines that we're following, the realities of some of this can place the kingdom of God far away and it can feel like we just have to survive and self-preserve and live within the kingdom of this earth all on our own when it comes to conflict. Forgiving the debts, those who have debts against you. Is it possible that part of what Jesus is inviting you into this season is a new level of forgiveness for your marriage, for your friends, for your family, for your former friends. What would it look like to pray that with Jesus this week? Bring the light, Lord. Who is it that I should reach out to, to connect with who because of conflict we don't? I've shared this story many times. I miss my grandmother. Her name was Lorraine Madison. She was feisty. She was wonderful. My cousin just had a baby and and named their baby after her. And I didn't see her that often. She lived up in Farmington, California. But when I did see her, one of my favorite parts about her is no matter what I did, she would be really quick to point out that I was a (coughs) Matisich. So I remember walking. She goes, you walk like a Matisich. And I remember I picked up a cup and I I sipped out of a cup at a restaurant. You drink like a Matisich. You eat like a Mattisich, you look like a Mattisich. Everything was that I'm a Mattisich. And I found so much pride when she would say that. Because it was when she said that I realized I was a part of something bigger. That I was a part of a tribe that maybe I didn't know fully because of geography, but there was something about the way I was that reminded her of the people we are. Lake Avenue Church, you are a child of God. I pray that's true. The way you forgive says I'm a child of God. The way you pray says, I'm a child of God. The way you spend time building up and recognizing the kingdom of God in this world says, I'm a child of God. When we can pray, and we can be in the scripture, and we can come to God for his way of living, when we can come to him and ask for his kingdom to come, when we come to him and live his forgiveness out with one another, what we are saying is, I'm part of this family, I'm part of this tribe, And I pray this week that for one another, virtually in your home, that you would remind one another in those moments of obedience, in those moments of living the way God's called us to live, that we would be a church that reminds one another you are acting like God's child right now. You are part of his kingdom. This is bigger than you. And have the courage with one another and the forgiveness and grace with one another for those other moments when we're not acting like children of God, When we've said something we shouldn't have said the way we say it. when When we've accused somebody of something, when we've labeled somebody, when we've done something opposite of the way that God lives in this world that we would have the courage to say, hey, you're not acting like a child of God. Lake Avenue Church, the greatest opportunity for us to bring the name of Jesus into this world in this particular season is our ability to recognize what it looks like to be a child of God in this season and our ability to extend forgiveness to ourselves and one another for when we're not so that we can proclaim the full gospel to this world and to say it is in this moment it is this time where we as the church didn't stand back and judge everybody but we came close to everybody and we said let me tell you about the kingdom of my father and let me tell you about the forgiveness that I've experienced and the forgiveness that I give out and it will run counter it will run counter to the narratives of this world as the band comes forward will you join me in prayer God, I believe that in this moment that there are some listening who have never recognized your rule and reign in this world. They've never seen the reality of the kingdom of God. All they know is the kingdom of self and the kingdom of this earth, and it has worn them down, and there is no hope. And I pray today, Father, for whoever this person is or these people are, that today they would say to you, Father, I want to be a part of your family. I receive the forgiveness of Jesus. I want to build your kingdom, not my own. I want to be the kind of person and live the kind of way that your rule and reign calls me to. And if you're that person, I pray that you would follow up on our prayer line or on our chat. And for Lake Avenue Church, for those that that's not speaking to, I pray, Father, you would help each one of us this week. Pray with fervor. your kingdom to come in dominance in this time bring to your world God your healing bring to your world your name bring to your world your ways bring to your world us your people so that we can scream out through the internet we can scream out through our letters we can scream out through the phone where our hope comes from that we might live in the kind of freedom that is only found in the forgiveness of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that we can live without conflict, and that you extend your forgiveness to us, help us be a forgiving kind of people, amen.